Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Buyers of the Dead. What the, what the fuck's going on? Is that me? Oh my God, I'm Dirk Action. I'm supposed Action. to go next, but you're me anyway. Oh shit, okay, no, no, you go then. We gotta keep this super slick and professional. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's us. I'm, I'm Dirk Ashton for the moment, uh, and I write the, wrote the Paternus Trilogy. Mike? I am uh, Michael R. Fletcher. I write the shut up, Rob. Fuck, just back, step back, yo. Step, step <laughs> off, man. Don't fucking, don't go there. I, I bow to your your greater presence. <laughs> but, uh, I guess I wrote the Manifest Delusion books. Maybe I can't remember. Rob, uh, I'm Rob. I wrote uh, I wrote a book called Never Die. That's one. There you go. Never die. And today's episode is, all, yeah, sorry about that. I got the order wrong. It should be, yeah, myself, Dirk, Rob, Mike. Anyway, professionalism, not a thing that people coming into the show. Never so even it's there, all good. But, no one uh, has yeah, ever exactly. accused me of that. Um, so today we're going to be talking about sequels. I have not written a sequel, but I am trying to learn how to do it right now. So I'm very curious to hear what your strategies are for, yeah, building upon your existing books um, and <laughs> kind of writing book two in a series. Dirk, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I certainly have the least experience in that of this group. Um, strategy? <laughs> That's funny. Um, boy, all I, you know, even with the first book, I mean, I kind of knew where I wanted to end it. So I did end it there. Um, but the, the second book picks up right where basically right where the first book left off. And um, to be honest, I, I'm a big plotter. So I plotted out what I wanted to happen, but that plot went all the way through into and through most of the third book. And I had absolutely no idea where I was gonna end book two, none. Um, 
for probably the first 75% of the writing process. Um, and I realized that a lot of the things I kind of wanted to do with book one or book two, at one point I finally realized it's reaching this word count um, and uh, I'm not gonna get in through some of this other stuff I was thinking I might get through. So I sat down, went and sat on the porch for a couple of days and just took a lot of notes as to what I thought would could be a good ending place and then replotted out from there and um, and wrote that and ended the book there. But yeah, I, I honestly had no idea where it was going to end. I did know what the whole rest of the story was going to be um, to a certain extent, but I do allow myself the, uh, the room, the freedom to re-outline and replot and change things as I go. So I did that um, a number of times and that's fine. Um, luckily, I don't go off on tangents. I mean, they, they say, go ahead and do the crazy thing. You can always come back and not use that. Uh, luckily for me, there's not a lot of that that I, that I have to do, uh, actually almost none. Uh, I throw away very little of what I write. I just shorten. I just make things more concise um, and tighten things up uh, mm. and then and readjust as I go. But I don't have to throw that out. So that helps, but I'm a slow writer anyway. Um, and, you know, basically that's how it worked for me. And then book three, I, and I, I thought, uh, book two would be about 150,000 page uh, words. Book one was 135. And it came out at right, right 150 to 160. And it came out right in there, 155. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to hit. The third book I thought would be maybe 180,000 words. Uh, it ended up being 233. So I'm still working out how long certain things take. And I knew there were things that I really wanted to do. Now, there are still things left on the floor. Um, but in, in film terms, instead of shooting it all and spending all that time and money and then cutting it later, I cut it as I went, uh, would re-outline and say, okay, I'm just not going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of what I would consider cool opportunities dealing with mythology, because that's what my book does, that, that I could have tied in that I thought would be cool. But when it comes right down to it, um, I'm not even disappointed um, that it's not there because readers certainly don't know. So they don't know what's not there. So unless they feel there's a gaping hole, uh, it's somewhere in the story or background, or I missed something, um, then you would never hear about it. But so far the reviews have been fantastic. And I was really terrified, but the 233 third, thousand words just almost killed me this book almost story <laughs> so for you it's almost a matter of kind of envisioning the whole story of the series and then chopping up like where you want each book to end rather than yeah. building one book and then adding on to it which is that's a cool way of yeah. thinking about it because then i suppose it yeah because this this was always one great long story and i've always known at least the basics and a lot of the details of where it was going to go. It was just 
knowing where they were going to end. First book was easier. Second book, like I said, I was 75% through writing it before I had any idea where I was going to really end it. Okay. So Rob, I want to talk to you about this next because I think you've done this both ways. You've done it the kind of Dirk method where you have a whole story that you are splitting up into separate volumes. And then it seems like you've also done other things where you wrote a story envisioned as a standalone, like Never Die, for instance, that then you have decided to sort of bolt things onto moving forward. How do you kind of, yeah, how do you work with sequels? I feel I've done it like every which way, to be honest, uh, at this point. So, I mean, I, I definitely have done it um, in the same way as Dirk um, with my uh, piratical duology, Best Lay Plans. Um, I basically, I had this idea for the story. Um, you know, sort of like everything that was going to happen, everything that's going to happen. I never have any idea of everything that's going to happen. But I, I had the idea of where I wanted the story as a whole to go. Um, and I sort of, once I had that story, I figured, okay, where is a good place to end book one and start book two? Um, and as it turns out, uh, they, they, I mean, book two literally starts straight after book, uh, book one um almost the scene um and that's it, it kind of worked out so I, I have done it that way but then i've also i i've yeah i've done it with with standalones uh never die i literally just wrote as a single book i never had any intention of doing a, a second book in the series at all in the world uh it was just this crazy idea i had for a a, a story and i wrote it um and then the sequel literally only exists because uh, it doesn't actually exist yet on my computer. Um, but I had so many people asking for more, saying like, this is brilliant, I love the world. There you go, there's one of them. Uh, said, yeah, I, I want more in this world, I want more of, of, of this. So uh, I had this, this, this other idea which I thought could set in the story. I was like, aha, what if I basically do a sort of Asian-influenced Clash of the Titans. Um, so I did. Uh, and that was just, it was an, another entirely separate book, which I wrote, basically, which is coming out in uh, January 2021. Ooh. It's called yes. Pan Yes! Uh, so <laughs> I'll get another Dirk Ashton quote on the, uh, on the back, something along the lines of, this one's crap, it's gone downhill. <laughs> and peaked with never so I've, I've done it that way. And then I've, I've also uh, done it with um, a completely different way. With, with The War Eternal, I wrote Along the Razor's Edge as, this, as just this book. I was exploring it. I, I didn't, when I first started writing it, I didn't have an idea for a much larger story. I just I was writing it as I was in it. I was just like, here's the story. Um, and then when it came to the sequel and it came to book two, I tried doing the same thing and fell flat on my face um and uh, i i i believe i've actually talked about this many times once on an entire podcast with you jed uh check it out key plug um yeah the the second book turned out to be utter crap because i had no idea what i was doing uh when i went into it so one of the things i did was uh scrapped the entire first version that i wrote um and then when you know embraced my my architect brain my planner brain and i i sat down and i planned out where i wanted 
the story to go from book two and book three, uh, what I actually wanted them to be and where I wanted the characters to end up and, and all of that lot. Uh, and then I went back and rewrote book two from the ground up um, with this, this better idea of what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've done things in, in pretty much most ways possible at this point. Uh, although saying that, I'm, I'm sure uh, Mike will have a completely different way of doing things as he usually does. Yeah, let's get on to Mike, how you've done that with your series, because to this stage, you've written mostly standalone stuff, but that is changing at the moment. How yeah. has that progression so, sort of worked for you? Uh, like Rob, I, I have different approaches for different series. Uh, the Obsidian Path is very much pantsed. Um, it, it just, whatever happens, happens. I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Um, so I'm going to focus on City of Sacrifice. Uh, so I knew it was going to be a trilogy. I had no idea how the trilogy would end, but I knew the scene I wanted book one to end with. So I knew the ending for book one before I started. Uh, at the end of book one, uh, kind of in the, the weeks after, I, I, I came to understand the bigger picture uh, I, because now I knew the characters better and what everyone was planning and thinking. So it was that after I'd written book one, I knew how that now I know the trilogy. I know the last scene of book three, mm. so the great, but I had not a fucking clue what book two was going to be. Um, so it took a while, but I kind of, I, I figured out where I wanted book two to end, what, what the scene was. So I knew before I actually started writing, I knew the, the last scene of the book. Um, but I, I, I couldn't, I'm not smart enough to sort of plan an entire book to get to that scene. Um, so my approach tends to be, I will plot three chapters in advance. Um, then I write those three chapters and then I look at where I am um, and then plot the next three chapters. And this is like a fairly detailed plot, major points, major dialogue hits, stuff like that. Um, so basically I wrote the the second book three chapters at a time. Um, uh, there was enough going on. I have uh, like a separate document of sort of like really big background scene notes um, and character motivations and that kind of stuff to sort of keep me on track because the plot is big enough that I can't, I can't get to the ending I want without sort of some level of planning. So it's, I'm doing this sort of like stepped staggering, mm. call it a drunken stagger towards what I know will eventually be the ending. Is that sort of how Rob and Dirk, you both work as well in terms of, sort of figuring out what that closing image is that you want for the series and then kind of figuring out the pieces to get you to reach that point? Um, I knew from the very beginning I knew some of the closing beats um, that I wanted to have. Actually, there are kind of one, two, three, four um, big closing beats in four different chapters. And I knew how I wanted to do them to a certain extent um, because they're each told in a slightly different way. And one of them is is in in the epilogue, um, and I knew the tone that I wanted to set. Um, 
and you know there even though the reviews have been great there have been one or two people who have thought i shouldn't have done this one thing in in the ending um but the vast majority is that i completely stuck the landing um which blows me away i never really expected that i knew what kind of ending i wanted and i knew what those scenes were going to be and i even knew what the last uh line of dialogue would be and who would deliver it in the final chapter before the epilogue and um i've known that for you know since i was writing book one so it was it was just getting to that point uh but again as far as book one and book two i really wasn't sure um i knew earlier in book one but i really wasn't sure about book two that would have been it could that could have been the end of a chapter uh and then there could have been more to the book after that but then i was like i don't really know where i would end it so i chose that so i really didn't know with book two what about you rob do you kind of work towards a closing moment or is that not the most um, important thing for you with working with a sequel i don't i don't really know if i have a sort of closing moment I, I i tend to when i tend to sort of like work with a book um i have set pieces in my head um you know they, they sort of like sometimes they're a big battle scene or they're sort of this you know very emotionally driven scene and um you know i'll sort of i'll imagine those in my head over and over and over again and i know that those are going to be in the story somewhere and a lot of the time it's sort of like okay figuring out where they're going to enter into the story um and then yeah i sometimes they are sort of like the the, the finale the uh the, the ending as well um certainly the the second time i wrote the lessons never learned book two of the war eternal trilogy uh the second time i wrote it i had a much better idea of what i wanted the the finale uh to be i want you know this sort of like i i had sort of tiered finale idea uh every step along the way of this ramp up of tension and then you know big conflict and then uh this <laughs> ending on a reveal but only half of it it's it, it was all a bit weird uh anyway for anyone who has read it uh, you'll know what i'm talking about for anyone who hasn't uh, read it i literally end book two mid conversation Huge <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I certainly had that idea when I was writing, well, the second time I was writing book two, that that's how I wanted it to end, this sort of like cliffhanger reveal um, after this, this tiered uh, ending uh, of just ramping up. And I, I think I, I do quite often work that way where I have, yeah, I have these set pieces in mind and then I'll have maybe an ending um and, and for me uh, the journey is quite often figuring out how they're all going to come to to pass okay so i think we could be working towards sort of wrapping up this episode i definitely want to do future things on um sequels as well because i think um particularly for fantasy authors that is definitely a big thing but quickly before we end could we just go around and kind of share what our biggest tips are for writing Let's say book two in a series that we've just started. Mike, do you want to start us off? Oh, fuck. Um, 
Hmm. We can go to someone else if you want more thinking time. Uh, no, I'll just wing something. Uh, so I, I, I think you throw yourself into it. I mean, your, your first book is basically your backstory and you don't have to sort of, um, no, actually I disagree with what I'm about to say. <laughs> Fuck balls. Don't so do I. Yeah. So do I actually. You know what? Yeah. I, I don't know how to write a sequel. It's, it's, it's a story, you know, it's not going to stand on its own, but it probably should. It'd be nice if it did, but it won't. So, fuck, I don't know, man. So standalone potential is sort of important? What? So like try to write a sequel that can be read standalone is, is sort of important to you? Or uh, no, I, you know, I don't think so. I, I actually disagree with almost everything I've said. Um, and I will, if, if anyone pays attention between episodes, I will constantly, um, tell different stories about the same thing and they will all contradict each other because mostly I'm lying. What's a Dirk? Start to Dirk. Uh, thanks a lot. I was, I was absolutely, I, I was probably, I think more terrified. I was terrified for the, to see how people would, 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 uh, receive book three, but Book two, even more so, because uh, suddenly I, there were there were expectations that I never had with book one. I mean, I had no idea if anybody would ever read it, and honestly, at that point, I really didn't care because um, I had written a book the way I wanted to write it, um, which is part of the reason I chose self-publishing because the trads would never have let me told, uh, never have let me um, uh, put the book out in the uh, the way the the way I approached the writing because um, I wanted to try some experimental things and some things that were a little new. Um, but um, uh, it was important for me to up the ante, right? Um, I had to up the ante a little bit. Um, I, had to, uh, I had to expand and explain um, certain things. Um, I had to... Uh, I knew I had to have more progression with with the characters, especially the two younger main characters, so human main characters, um, and without maybe giving too much, because one of them, Zeke in particular, has a much slower progression as we figure out, and you re really don't figure out what's going out on with him truly, so I had to kind of tease it out uh, until book three. Um, and I had no idea. Uh, I always have a really good feeling about the plotting and the way I want it to go at the beginning. Toward the end of the books, all the books I write, I completely lose perspective. I can't see the forest. I can't see the trees. I can't see anything. I have no idea if it's working anymore. So that's when I rely on my beta readers um, and my editors to help me. And more often than not, if I've changed anything, the critiques are in the things that were changed. So my original gut instinct for what would work has always been what ends up being the right answer. And I just need to learn to trust myself a little more uh, with that Ooh. kind of thing. And there, there's a difference, you know, series like, like, like my series um, is one big story told in three parts. You know, there's not, it's each, you know, a lot of series have their own beginning, middle, and end, and they are self-contained stories that add to the series as it goes, right? Um, mine aren't like that. 
they are much more uh, like TV episodes, you know, where there's things that are happening and there is an arc and there is a beginning, middle and end, but it's more of a continuous mm. series, right? It's more of like, uh, it's more episodic um, in, in nature, far more so. That's another thing that you want to think about because the ones, the books that do really, really, really well, I mean, Lord of the Rings is like that, right? That's episode, those books just go and then they pick up and go and go and pick up and go. And, um, and so is Game of Thrones. They're much more like that too, right? You know, even though they are, do have a beginning, middle and end, you don't know what the end is going to be, you know, and usually it's a surprise of some sort, but um, they aren't, they can't, they aren't like self-contained. And there's a lot of varieties in between, you know, where, where some books are more one way or the other. But uh, so that's something to keep in mind for a new writer. What kind, how do you want your series to be told? Rope cut. Uh, one of the, the things you said is upping the ante. I think that's an incredibly important one. You want, the, you, you want the stakes to increase. You don't want, you know, book two to, dec to decrease the stakes um, in, in the world because uh, then it's less exciting and you need book two to, to remain exciting past the point of book one. Um, and there is the, the, the book two syndrome is a real thing. I mean, and it's oh, yeah. a big thing. Um, even with longer series, not just trilogies, very often book two is considered the weakest of the books mm. in, in, in series. And, and it's hard, hard to get past that. Luckily, that wasn't my uh, experience, thank God. But I, yeah, I've read a lot of books like that too. I think it's because quite often you find that you know, book one uh, introduces like the, the, the characters, who they, they are at the point of you, know, you meeting them and here's the initial stakes. And then book two, I think a lot of writers use it as a way to uh, focus more on character development, on world building, and less so on the sort of like the, the, the plot and the stakes. And I think that's, that's maybe a falling point for a lot of people in that it ends up being a bit of a slog and less interesting, despite the fact that there may be more character development, there may be some really interesting world building elements, all that lot. Um, unless there is something happening behind it, something driving the story forward, I think that's, that's often where a lot of um, them fail and I think that kind of ties into I think the point that I wanted to, to make which was just like for for someone like me who is very much um, uh, a gardener a pantser uh, yes that's right pantser uh, it's fine going into book form without any idea of what you want out of the book and just exploring it but I think when starting book two you need a much better idea of where you want the story to go and what you want out of it, where you want it to you know, end and what you want to happen within it. So I think for me, uh, especially having a bit more planning involved with book two than you had in book one is, is a key factor. So up the ante and have more of an idea of what you're wanting the rest of the series to kind of shape out the, uh, shape out as, I think that's kind of the two big takeaways from this episode. So that's been, Good to hear, and um, yeah, I think that's kind of like helped clarify my thinking about my own sequel and everything. Um, we've only got about a minute left before the recording cuts out. Do we have any other quick thoughts before we wrap this one up? 
Mikey? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I have uh, I've waffled my waffle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really good. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening or watching, and we will see you, you next Jack. time. Right. Thank you for listening to Wizards, Warriors, and Words. We hope you learned something useful. We love hearing from our listeners. Our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes. I personally read and respond to every email, so feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors, and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes, and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher, and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time.